Hi everyone, Pastor Gregory Bartram here, lead pastor here at Destiny Church, where your history doesn't define your destiny. I just want to welcome you to Your Destiny Podcast. Thanks for listening. And my prayer is that the message that you hear today brings healing, hope, and ultimately transformation. Hope you enjoy the message. So go ahead and turn with me to Galatians chapter number one. Galatians chapter number one. I want to continue talking about something I started talking about the last time we were in Galatians, and that was the subject of the divine origin of the gospel. The divine origin of the gospel. I want to say this right now. The gospel that we preach is not from man. It wasn't invented by man. It came from Jesus Christ. Amen. And so because this gospel came from Jesus, it is a powerful gospel. It is a life-transforming gospel. Amen? It is the kind of gospel that when you hear it, it changes your heart. Amen? It changes your life. It transforms you. And so this gospel is a powerful gospel, and this gospel did not originate with man. It did not originate in this earth. It wasn't the ingenuity of man that, that brought this about. It was from Jesus Christ by a revelation of Jesus Christ. And so tonight I want to talk about the revelation of the gospel. Because if we're going to talk about the divine origin of the gospel, we have to talk about how that the gospel came to the apostle Paul by revelation and not he was not taught it by man. Amen. So I want to specifically talk about the revelation of the gospel. And we're going to go deep tonight. So I hope you're ready. And so Revelation, I mean, um, Galatians chapter number, chapter number one, we're going to read just a couple verses. I want to read verses 11 and 12. It says, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Notice what he says. He says, this gospel that I preach this gospel that I proclaim and decree to you, I did not get this from man. I neither received it of man, nor nor was I taught it by man. So Paul, how did you receive it? He said, I received it by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul received this gospel directly from Jesus. Jesus and delivered it to Paul. Amen. And it's the same gospel that we preach today. The same gospel. So, Father, thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated tonight. The revelation that Paul received concerning the gospel was the gospel of grace. How many knows Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom? The gospel of the kingdom. It would not be until Paul came about... And, and, and until Paul was called into the ministry that we would receive the gospel of grace. Everybody say grace. That is an important word in the new covenant, grace. How I many knows we're not, we're not living under the curse of the law, but we are living under the blessing and the life of the Spirit. And so, so this gospel that Paul is preaching, it is the gospel of grace. And this gospel of grace is of divine origin. It began with Jesus. He is its source and he is also its substance. Think about that. 
Jesus delivered the gospel of grace to Paul. He was its source, but he was also the substance of that gospel that Paul would preach. Matter of fact, Paul would say it like this. Paul said, I preach Jesus and him crucified. That was the gospel. Paul said, if I'm going to preach anything, I'm going to preach Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Jesus gave us this gospel of grace, and you cannot preach the gospel without Jesus in it. Come on, how many knows there's a, there is a gospel that man tries to preach from themselves and it does not include Jesus and any gospel that does not include Jesus is a false gospel. It is a fake gospel. Why? Because the real true gospel of grace will always include Jesus in its message. Matter of fact, Jesus is the source and the substance and if you take Jesus out, all you have is a form. You just have a form, but that form has no power to do anything. It is the fact that we preach Jesus that gives our message, that gives our gospel the power to change lives. Come on, somebody. I said it is Jesus that we preach that changes lives, and without Jesus, no one will be, will be changed. And so Jesus was its source, meaning it came from him, but he was also its substance. He is the cause of its existence. Matter of fact, the only reason why that we have the gospel is because Jesus gave his life for it. Come on. What is the gospel? I explained this to you last time. The gospel is the good news that Jesus has died on the cross and now you and I can be forgiven and redeemed and rescued from sin, Satan, and this world. Amen. We can be free by Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on. We can be free from sin. We can be free from bondage. We can be free from, from, the, from, the, from the devices of the enemy. We are free. That is the gospel of grace. He is the reason it is, it is here today. He gave his life for the gospel. He gave his life that we might have some good news instead of bad news. How many glad we got some good news? Especially in the day that we're living in. It's good to have a little bit of good news. And, and in spite of the negative and in spite of the bad things that happen in our life, I'm glad that there is something good that is going on in my life, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ that is empowering me and equipping me and strengthening me and giving me joy. I mean, how many knows there's joy in the gospel? There's freedom in the gospel. There's love in the gospel. There's strength in the gospel. There's peace in the gospel. There's prosperity in the gospel. Everything that you and I would ever need in this life, it is in the gospel. All we have to do is put our faith in that good news. Come on. That is what unlocks all the benefits and blessings of the gospel is when you put your faith in it. It is your faith that activates the gospel in your life. That's how people are changed, by hearing the gospel. Paul, Paul, Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 10, how that no one can be saved unless they hear the gospel, but how can you hear unless a preacher is sent to declare to you the good news? I don't know about you, but when you're living in a bad situation and all you hear is bad news, bad reports, it's good to have somebody come your way and say, hey, the bad news was wrong. Here's you some good news. Yeah. The report was wrong. Here's the gospel. 
Whose report will you believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. What is the report of the Lord? It is the gospel of Jesus Christ that he came to this earth and he died upon a cross, but on the third day, he got up from that dead and he is alive today. And because he's alive, we are alive also. Come on, come on. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Even if you die, but because you believe, you shall live forever. Come on, Jesus said, I am the life. Come on. Jesus said, the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came. Why'd you come, Jesus, that I might give you life and give it to you more abundantly? Come on, I, call, I, I just want to tell you today that there is an abundance of life in the gospel. And all you have to do to access it is put your faith in it. And when you put your faith in it, everything that is locked up is unlocked and activated in your life because of faith in the gospel. And there's a whole lot of stuff in the gospel. Come on, the, the gospel is more than just, just something we say. There's so much. And I, I, hope, I hope to God I can get through all this to, tonight. And so I got to steady myself here because I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost because I really want to teach. I, I love to preach, but I want to teach. So, so we got to understand that the gospel of grace has a divine origin. Why does it have a divine origin? Because the person that gave it to us is divine. He's unlike anybody else. Jesus is unlike anybody else. It is of divine origin because it comes from one of divinity. It began with Jesus. He is its source. He is its substance. He is the cause of its existence. And it was Jesus. Everybody shout Jesus. Jesus. It was Jesus, not man. Man can never devise such a gospel. We're not smart enough. We're not educated enough. Because if we had a gospel, it would be all about us. That's why I love the gospel of Jesus, because Jesus made it all about us instead of himself. He came to give himself a ransom for many. He came to be obedient unto the death. death. He came to give his life. He came to sow seed into the ground so that when that seed would bring forth life, there would be more that would come behind that seed. There was nobody like Jesus. Jesus gave us the gospel, not man. And Jesus delivered it personally to a man by the name of, of Apostle Paul, who, mind you, was a persecutor of the church, but because of his encounter with Jesus on the road of Damascus, he went from a persecutor of the church to a preacher overnight. That is the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel. I love, I've seen this quote, how that this quote talked about how that, that, that the gospel of grace, how that grace is, the, is there's nothing like it because how can, you, how can you take a man who persecuted Christians, killed Christians, and then that man go to heaven and those that he persecuted and killed give him a hand clap and welcome him into heaven. That's the, the only thing that that it would ever happen is through grace, the gospel of grace. The gospel. Jesus personally and directly delivered this gospel of grace to Paul. To Paul. 
And this same gospel has been committed to us so that we might also preach this same gospel. Listen, we are not to deviate from this gospel. We are to preach what the, what the word of God says is the gospel of grace. We are not to twist it. Matter of fact, if you go into the previous verses of chapter one, Paul says it is a dangerous thing to preach a different gospel or to twist it or to distort it for your own good or for your own opinions or for your own beliefs. Why? Because he says, let a man that does such a thing, let him be, let him be cursed. Let the judgment of God come upon him. So anybody who deviates from the, from the gospel of grace that was delivered to Paul and that which Paul preached... If we preach any other gospel, it is a fake gospel and the judgment of God will come upon our life. And I just want to be I just want to be transparent and real tonight. There are people that are standing behind the pulpit that are preaching a different gospel. And we're going to see cuz by the time we finish Galatians, you're going to know exactly what the true gospel of grace really is. And so Paul's, here in verse, verses 12, 11 through 12, Paul's claim was that his gospel, which was being called in question by the Judaizers, how many knows I've been talking about them, there was a religious group or a religious sect that came into the church after Paul left Galatia to go to a different place to preach the gospel, there was this group of people, this group of men that came into the church behind Paul that was convincing these Galatians that they were not really saved unless they what? Obeyed the law and, and committed themselves to the law and to the legalism of the old covenant. And unless they, unless they were circumcised, unless they, unless they obeyed the festivals and the commandments and the rituals of the Old Testament, they could not be saved. It was a mixture. They mingled law and grace. And Paul says it, it, was, it, was, it was a distorted, a fake gospel because anytime you add works or self-effort, it is a fake gospel. And so anytime, let me say that religion preaches a fake gospel because religion says you have to do this and you have to do that before you're ever saved. You don't have to do anything but put your faith in what Jesus done on the cross. And when you put your faith, that's all that it takes. There is nothing else that you and I need to add to what Jesus has already done. When Jesus died on the cross, he finished it. He completed it. There is nothing else to be done. He died on a cross. He arose the third day. He ascended up to heaven. He sat down on the right hand of God. Notice what I just said. He sat down. Why did he sit down? Because there ain't nothing else to do. He finished it. His sacrifice was good enough. And anytime you say you have to put self-effort, you have to try harder, you have to do this, you have to have regulations and rules to follow, then you have now mixed legalism law into grace. And the fuel of grace is love, not law. I don't serve God because I'm afraid of him because I got to keep the laws. I, I obey and I serve him because I understand the power of grace that what I got, I don't deserve. And so I want to be pleasing to him. And I love him and so I obey him because I love him, not because I fear of breaking one of his laws. 
So Paul says when you mix law and grace, you have a fake gospel. And when you start to propagate that type of gospel, then what happens is, is you are marked for judgment. Anything that, that is against the gospel of grace that Paul preached, it is a fake gospel. And, and those that propagate or preach such a gospel that mixes law and grace is a fake gospel. So Paul's claim was that his gospel, which these Judaizers questioned and the Galatians deserted, was neither an invention as if his own brain had fabricated this gospel, nor was it a tradition as if the church had handed it down to Paul. But it came by a revelation for God had, had personally made it known to him. And it is this gospel that we have that you and I read. If you read this on a daily basis, you are reading something that Jesus hand-delivered. This is not just any ordinary book. This is inspired of the Holy Ghost and delivered to us by Jesus himself. It's powerful. And so Paul says in verse 11, so if you got your Bibles, Paul says in verse number 11, he says, but I certify you. Paul loved to use that word certified. He used it another time in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It means you better perk up your ears and listen to what I'm saying because I'm getting ready to make something very important known to you. Matter of fact, in the Greek, this word refers to a teacher who unfolds divine things. Paul says, I certify you. I'm getting ready to make known something to, make known something to you. It is so important. You need to listen up because I'm getting ready to unfold divine things to you. How many is ready for divine things? Are you ready for divine deep things? I, wanna, I, want divine, I want things that only God can give. That's divine things. And so, so Paul says, I certify you. I'm going to make known something to you. I'm going to unfold some divine things. And he calls them brethren. Now, in the Greek, the word brethren in the Greek means this. It means from the same womb. It means from the same family or the same tribe. So at this point of time, Paul was saying, guys, I need you to listen up. Here's why you need to listen up, because I'm getting ready to share something to you, and it's a family ordeal. Because the only ones that will really understand what I'm saying, they will have to come from the same womb. Let me say it another way. The only way you will understand what I'm saying, brethren, is you must be born of the Spirit. Because every one of us that were born into the Spirit, we were born through the womb of the Spirit. That's why we're brothers and sisters. That's why we're, bro you say we're not blood related. No, we are blood, blood related. Why? Because the only way you could be born again into this kingdom was through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we are blood related. We are connected by blood. This is a family connected by the blood of Jesus. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And Paul says the divine things that I am about to unfold to you, you cannot understand this unless you have been born of the spirit because I'm getting ready to talk about spiritual things. And how many knows Paul also teaches us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that you cannot discern spiritual things without the Holy Spirit. Natural man or the world or unbelievers hear what I'm talking about tonight and they think it's foolishness. 
But to us that are being saved by this gospel and those of us that are born again of the Spirit, we hear with our ears, not our physical ears, but our spiritual ears, and we, we have understanding because the Spirit gives us res- revelation and he enlightens us and illuminates our understanding so that we might know the things that have been freely given to us in the gospel. So, so Paul calls them brethren from the same womb. We have, born, we have all been born of the Spirit. And if you have been born of the Spirit, if you are a member of the family of God, if you are a part of this tribe, that's what we are. You didn't know it, did you? We are a tribe. We are a nation within a nation. We are a peculiar people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, or family. And there's some things that only the family can understand. There's some things that that we do in this church that not everybody understands. Some of the people in the world, unbelievers, don't understand why we leap and shout and run over a man we can't see. But I love what, Paul, what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He says, you may not be able to see the Spirit. You may not know where he listeth. I love how the King James Version says, you don't know where he listeth, but you can see his effect. You can't see it, but I'll tell you what, you ever get close to it and you'll feel it. Come on. You may not see it, but if you ever get into this place and feel what we feel, how I many of those people will jump and leap and shout? If they encounter the grace of God, if they ever get washed by the blood, if they ever get filled with the precious Holy Ghost, they will laugh and jump and have joy and spin and run and shout and praise and sing and act a fool for Christ just like we do. Come on. He says, he says, brethren, I'm going to make something known to the family. Listen up. He says this. He says that the gospel, everybody say gospel. Now, the gospel that he's referring to here is the gospel of grace. It is the good news of Christ and his salvation to the Gentiles. Everybody say, that's me. Unless you are blood Jew, if you're not a Jew, you are a Gentile. Heathen. You felt really good about yourself until I just said that. <laughs> he says, the gospel, the gospel of grace, which was preached of me is not after man. Everybody say after. Now this word is interesting because this word after refers to something that is handed down from man. So Paul says that this gospel of grace that I preach, it was not handed down to me by man. It did not come to me by tradition. How many knows what tradition is? Tradition is what something that you pass from one generation to the next. Some generations for some families is different than others. And so Paul says, I did not receive this from tradition. Jews love tradition. Matter of fact, whenever we get down to the part where Paul talks about how that he was zealous for the Jewish religion, not, was, not only was he zealous for Jewish religion, but he was even more exceeding zealous for the traditions of his ancestors. So Paul was more zealous for the traditions than he was for the law. They loved their traditions. And so Paul said, I did not receive this from the traditions of man. Watch what he says. He, he says, for I neither received it of man. 
Not only was, did it not come after man, it wasn't handed down to me. He says, neither was, was it received of man. This word received here in the Greek means to, to receive from oral transmission. That means it's not written. You don't receive it by reading it. It's not written. You receive it by somebody orating it to you or speaking it to you. You, you, you receive it from verbal transmission. That's what most of the traditions of the, of, of the Jews was. It was not written down. You sat at their feet and you learned by, by the things that they said. It wasn't what was written. It was what was said. It was their interpretation. It was their opinions of what the law spoke of. That's why the Bible talked about Paul sitting at the feet of Gamaliel who was an astute educator of the law and of the traditions of, of, of the ancestors. So Paul, listen to me, Paul said it was not handed down to me. It did not come after man, nor did I receive it from man. It, I did not get it from oral transmission. I didn't get it from narration. I did not get it from what they told me. I did not receive it that way. This was not told of me. This was not transmitted to me through what somebody else said. He said, it was given to me. How? Listen to what he says. He says, it was given to me by revelation. So Paul says, I did not, it was not, I, I, did not, I didn't get this after man. It, didn't, it, he, it was not handed down to me. He said, neither, was it, neither did I receive it. It didn't come from tradition. And then he says, I wasn't taught it. Nobody explained it to me. Nobody expounded it to me. He said, I received this by revelation. Everybody say revelation. I received this from revelation, meaning that it was revealed to me. How was it revealed? By Jesus Christ himself. Jesus came to Paul and gave him the revelation of the gospel of grace. Now, what does it mean, revelation? Whenever you receive a revelation, what does it mean? It is, it is something that Jesus discloses to you that is truth. It is some type of truth that you have no understanding. Matter of fact, you don't even know exists unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. It is something that you do not know presently that only the Holy Spirit can reveal to you. To, it's, it's the uncovering, it is the unveiling of something that is hidden. Now listen to me. So that means that the gospel has all, always existed. How do you know that, preacher? Because the Bible says Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. The gospel has always existed, but, 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 the, but man did not have a revelation of it. It wasn't until Paul came and until Paul was converted and saved by Jesus, that, that Jesus through the Holy Spirit uncovered it, unveiled it, removed the curtain so that he might understand something that was hidden in ages past. Wow. Listen, it was hidden to the prophets of old. It was hidden to the patriarchs of old. It was hidden even to the disciples of Jesus. But now because of the ministry of Paul and the revelation of Jesus Christ to Paul, we are sitting here to, tonight with the understanding of the, of the gospel of grace that was, that was hidden 
ages before, even before the foundations of the world was laying, we're getting to understand something that existed then. And, and Paul said, I received this truth by the disclosure, unveiling, and uncovering of the Spirit of God. Revelation is instruction concerning things that, were, that was unknown. One thing that you will notice about Paul was that Paul was a man of great revelations. Paul said one time, he said, I came to great revelations. That's why a thorn in the flesh was given to him, that he might be buffeted day and night by, by a messenger of Satan. Why? To keep him humble because of the mighty revelations. Even Paul had a vision of the third heaven. Paul went to the third heaven. How many knows what the third heaven is? It's where, it's where God dwells. Paul saw the third heaven. I question anybody that, that says they've been to heaven and comes back and tells everybody and writes a book. Because Paul saw heaven, he came back, and he said, I can't speak it because it's unlawful for me to even utter it. Paul, where's, where's the gospel of Paul where he says this about heaven? He doesn't say it. Why? Because Paul said, I saw things that you couldn't even understand it if I tried to explain it. These are unspeakable truths that, that is unlawful for me to even speak, that if I even tried, there's not a human language that can express and articulate what I saw in heaven. And these people that say, bless God, I've been to heaven, walked the streets of gold, and they come back and write books and make money off of it. You didn't see what Paul saw. Paul said, once you get a glimpse of that place, it's unlawful to utter it, meaning God don't give you the permission to say it. It's illegal. You cross a boundary whenever you get that kind of revelation and then you try to speak it to people. Got real quiet right there. I'm just saying. So, so Paul says this was a revelation. This gospel did not come from man. It didn't come from tra tradition. He said it was delivered directly from Jesus Christ to me. And what I did not understand, now I do understand because of the revelation of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit, now I understand this gospel that was hidden in ages past. But it was meant for this dispensation. Let me say it another time. The Bible talks about dispensation. The word dispensation means ma to manage a certain time period. And right now, the way that God stewards and manages this, 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 this time period is through grace. So God handles you with grace. God handles you with grace. Why? Because you are in the dispensation, the time period of grace. The law and the prophets ended when John came. They ended when John came. Then when Jesus came, he came to fulfill and to complete the Old Testament and the prophets and the law. When Jesus died and rose again, we stepped into a new era, a new aeon, a new cosmos and it is called the dispensation of grace. And now today, God stewards and manages creation based on grace and what Jesus done on the cross. 
That's why what people need to hear, and listen, and I believe in the judgment of God, but I believe that the grace of God is even greater than his judgment. For where sin did abound, his grace much more abounds. Man, this is good stuff. Are we learning tonight? So, so Paul wanted to make it known and to make it perfectly clear to the Galatians that the gospel he preached was not man's gospel. It wasn't the invention of man. It wasn't pattern after human concept or any human standard. It wasn't of human origin. Paul didn't receive it from the oral traditions of man, nor was he taught it in some school or some institute. Paul actually received the gospel of grace directly from Jesus Christ. Jesus himself gave it to him. It came straight from God. The mystery, everybody say mystery. The mystery of the gospel. Let me just say this. It's no longer a mystery. Do you know why? Because wherever you have revelation, mystery ceases. (laughs) He The mystery of the gospel was unveiled and disclosed to Paul how? By revelation of Jesus Christ. Now let me give you some truth here tonight. Paul called his gospel the gospel of God because God authored it. He called it the gospel of Christ in another place. Do you know why? Because Christ was its content. The gospel was derived from God's revelation, not human imagination. I want to say that again. The gospel was derived from God's revelation. It did not come from any human imagination. You could have never, you and I could have never imagined such a gospel called the gospel of grace. It's too good to be true. This gospel of good news is too good to be true. This is good stuff. And I believe that what we need to do is preach more of this good stuff, more of this good news, to let people know that we have a revelation that this thing is no longer a mystery. This thing has been revealed, and he saves from the uttermost. He saves to whosoever will. Let him come. He won't judge. He'll pour out his grace. But preacher, you don't understand how much sin I've committed. His grace is rich. His mercy is rich. got to preach this thing again. I've told you two things I'm focusing on this whole entire year is the kingdom and the grace of God. I believe once we get these things together, we're going to see some things happen in people's lives like we've never seen. But I'm going to see, I've already started seeing things happen in my own heart because you can't study this stuff and then not do something on the inside of you. It's powerful stuff. The gospel is the standard by which we measure every idea, every religion, and every philosophy. It is, if it's not gospel that we have received from Jesus, then we disregard it. It's trash. And it is, be, it is to be thrown in the garbage. If you read a book and that book is different then what Jesus gave to Paul as far as the gospel of grace, you need to take that book, throw it in the fire, and warm yourself by because that's the only good good thing that will come out of it. We don't need anything else 
other than the gospel. The gospel of grace, I love this. The gospel of grace is like water. People did it in it, but people can't live without it. The gospel of grace is like water. Nobody invented it, but none of us can live without it. If Paul's gospel is not man-made, then the conclusion is, then it is God-made. He was taught it directly by Christ, which is the highest authority. It is true because it came from God, but because whatever God says, he cannot lie. The message of the gospel of grace is God's message, God's gospel. It is God's words, and you and I have it in our laps tonight. This ain't man's words. This is the creator's words. This is the one who flung the universe into existence, and he said, put this in a book. Paul, write this message of grace and deliver it to all the churches and preach it everywhere you go. This is my message. This is God's message. If it ain't gospel, it's not God's message. If, it, if, it's, if, it's not, if it's not covered and saturated and soaked in the grace of God, it is not true gospel. If it's based on works and merits and self-effort and deeds and good things that we've got to do to, do, to, to get something from, then it is not true gospel. That is religion, and Jesus hates religion. Oh, I got the, man, I tell you what, I've been getting some ammo for religion. I was, I was reading something in, in Revelation. Oh, this is, this, this, is, this is killer stuff right here. This, this will make religion real nervous. I, I want to I read something here. Because I just, in one setting, I read the entire book of Revelation in the Passion Translation. In one setting. I do it when Mary's asleep. She don't even know what I'm doing. I'm sitting there and I read the whole book of Revelation, Passion Translation. <laughs> but when I was reading, I, I looked at one of the mar marginal notes that Brian Simmons gives. And it's when he's talking about the seven churches. Jesus has given the letters to the seven churches. I want you to look at this. And this is talking about the church of Ephesus. You know, the ones that left their first love. Listen to what it says. Oh, this is good stuff. He says this in verse 6 of chapter 2. He says, although to your credit you despise the practices of the Nicolaitans, watch what Jesus says, which I also despise. King James Version says, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans? He says, I hate it too. And I looked at the marginal notes and listen to what it said. Listen to what it says. It said, the Greek meaning of Nicolaitans is to rule, conquer over people. Many see this term, this term, the beginning of the movement of every believer from being a priest to being part of a special class of clergy who ruled over the church. There is also a case to be made that the Aramaic word can be translated the performing of rituals. The performing of rituals, which would make the verse read, you despise the performing of rituals, which I also despise. But he say it this way. Jesus said, I hate and I despise performance. 
Because if you can't put your faith in what Jesus has done and you think you have to do something to add to it, then it is performance. And Jesus said, I hate it. It is a ritual. And where there is ritual, there is only form. There is not substance. And Jesus is substance. Religion is rituals. And Jesus said, I I found it in the Bible. Jesus said he hated religion. Good thing. I'm glad I'm, I'm I'm on the right course. So even Jesus said to hell with religion. Preach, pastor. I am. That'll be a teaching too. Amen. Acts 26, verse 16, Jonathan. All right, let's look at this. Can everybody see it? Can you, you, might have to, can you make it a little bit bigger there? I don't know if you can. All right, so let's look at some of this because Paul actually tells us, how many remembers when Paul had the encounter on the road of Damascus, he encountered the glory of the resurrection of Jesus Christ on that road. And because of the brightness and the, and, and, and the splendor of Jesus' glory, it knocked him off his horse. I mean, remember that, Acts chapter 9. Well, later on, many years in Paul's ministry, he is taken to a king by the name of King Agrippa. And while he is talking to King Agrippa, he is recounting his experience on the road of Damascus. Now here, Paul says something that he did not say in any other accounts of his testimony. And I thought it was interesting. Listen to what he says. He says, get up. This is Jesus talking to Paul. Paul's recounting what Jesus told him while he was on the road to Damascus. Jesus says, get up and stand to your feet for I have appeared to you to reveal your destiny and to commission you as my assistant. And this is the part that I like. He said, you will be a witness to what you have seen, watch, and to the things I will reveal whenever I appear to you. So Paul says, when I got born again on the road of Damascus and I experienced and encountered Jesus' glory, he said, he said this, that Jesus told him that there would be a time afterward that Jesus would show up to Paul and appear to him so that he might reveal something to him. Paul says, I'm not going to show it to you right now. But or Jesus said to Paul, I'm not going to show it to you right now. I got to do some things in your life before I can hand this over to you. But, but there is going to be a moment of time when you're ready and you are fully developed for this ministry that I'm going to release something that I have never released in other ages. I'm going to reveal something when I appear to you. I'm going to show you something powerful that will change the landscape and ge- the geography of the world. What is it? I believe it was the gospel of grace that Jesus was going to reveal to Paul. Preach. Can I keep going? All right. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter number two. 1 Corinthians chapter number two, beginning with verse number six. Listen to what it says. However, now let me talk about this. So if Jesus was going to reveal something to Paul when he appeared, how would Paul, how would Paul, if Jesus was going to reveal something to Paul, how would Paul even understand it? The only way that any of us would understand it, by the Spirit of the Lord. Matter of fact, Paul teaches us how you and I receive revelation. It is only by the Holy Spirit. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, begin with verse 6. He says, however, there is a wisdom. Everybody say wisdom. Okay, there is a wisdom that we continually speak of when we are among the spiritually 
mature. Spiritually mature. In the Greek, it would, it would mean to, to, to be initiated in mysteries. I'm going to stop right here just for a second. In the Greek, when he says spiritually mature, it is the same word that means to be initiated into mysteries. Meaning that the only way you can receive the mysteries, you got to be initiated. How do you get initiated into the ministries? You must become spiritually mature. Baby Christians don't get this. This is meat. Stuff I'm going to share with you, it's meat. He says, this wisdom that we speak of, he says, this wisdom is only for the spiritually mature, those that have been initiated into the rites of mysteries. The mysterious because only those that are spiritually mature have the capacity and the enlightenment to be able to understand certain things that Paul that was revealed to Paul matter of fact as we'll see here in a minute Peter even said that some things Paul taught was hard to understand watch he says it's it's wisdom that did not originate watch this in this what it did, not, it did not originate in this present age. So when did it originate? In ages past, before the foundations of the world. Are you still with me? Yeah. He said, it didn't originate in this present age, nor did it come from the rulers of this age who are in the process of being dethroned. If you study this, Paul, when he talks about the rulers, he's not talking about people or human beings. He's talking about principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high heavenly places. He says, this did not originate in the present age, nor did it come from the rulers of this age. And he says, I love this. He says, who are in the process of being dethroned as I speak? Because as long as I keep preaching, as long as we keep believing this gospel, and as long as we keep showing up and putting our faith in this thing, every demonic force is being dethroned and losing its power in the name of Jesus. Let me say it again. I believe that when we preach this gospel of the kingdom and of grace, Satan is being dethroned right now as I'm preaching. Preach. That's how powerful. What I'm, what I'm telling you, this is how powerful it is. It's knocking him off his throne. All right, go to the next verse. Instead, we continually speak of this wonderful wisdom that comes from where? God. Now watch. This wonderful wisdom that comes from God, hidden before now in a mystery. It did not originate in this present age, so why didn't we know it? Here's why. Because it was hidden in a mystery. It is his secret plan destined before the ages to bring us into, whoo. Let me say it another way. This was his secret plan from the beginning to restore unto us everything that Adam lost. Yeah. Do you know before man fell, man had glory? You, you go into, in the book of Psalms, David talks about how that man was crowned with glory. I, I, I love it because glory is one thing that makes us like God. Okay? So let me explain something to you. So before Adam sinned, he had glory. He was crowned. His crowning was with glory. 
So when Adam was in the garden, he was after the likeness and the image of God. And because of his likeness and image of God, he also partook and participated and shared in the same glory that God had. Meaning this, that he could do the same things that God could do. Because part of God was in him. How many knows he, God breathed the breath of life and, and, and Adam became a living soul. What was in God got into Adam. Okay? So while Adam was in the garden, God told Adam, he said, Adam, here is your glory. Here's your glory. Whatever you say it is, that's what it'll become. Now, if you don't know the beginning of your Bible, it's just like God did. Everything God said, it became it. And God told Adam, everything that you say, because you are like me and because we share glory, you got my glory. You have my spirit dwelling and abiding in you. And there is an absence of sin. Man doesn't even know what sin or evil or anything like that even is. And because of the purity of man and because of the crown of glory upon his head, God says, whatever you say, that's what it'll be. So God does what? He takes all the animals and places it before Adam. And Adam looks at it and says, that's a giraffe. That's exactly what it was. He says, that's a zebra. That's an elephant. That's a whale. Whatever Adam said, that's, it, it received its nature by what he said. Wow. He received. Every, man's glory was that all they had to do was speak and it was done. Whatever man said, it happened. It become it. Then Adam and Eve do what? They partake of one of the trees that God says do not to partake of, the knowledge of, the, of good and evil. At that very moment, sin entered into the picture. And when sin entered into the picture, man lost his glory that he had before. How do you knew, know that? Because when man had glory, all he had to do was speak and it was so. But God says, because you have now disobeyed me and now because of sin, he says, now you're not, not going to speak to it. Now you have to work it with your hands. So if you're going to get something out of the ground, now you have to work it to come out of the ground. Where before, all he had to do was say vegetables, apples. That's why the Bible don't say, listen, let me, let me correct some theology right here, some bad theology. It, they did not eat an apple. It says fruit. Do you know why it said fruit? Because whatever Adam said it was, that's exactly what produced on that tree. Am I, going, am I going too deep for you? Okay, I just want to say, it does not say apple. I don't care what pictures say. It's not an apple. could have been an apple. I don't know, but I don't believe it was an apple. I just, it just says fruit. I believe that there was fruit during that time that we don't even know existed. <laughs> but one day we will. Because the Bible says those that overcome, he will give the, the power to take part of the tree of life. Yeah, we'll be able to eat that thing. Not only that, but the tree of life is so powerful that in, that in Revelation, the Bible says in Revelation that the, that the leaves are filled for the healing of the nations. So whenever somebody has any kind of sickness in the nations, all they got to do is come and just 
touch the leaves. Touch the leaves. But man had glory. Listen to me. Man had glory. And so when Jesus came, man was what? Man had to work his way. He had to work it. Labor. Self-effort. But then Jesus comes. And Jesus came to show us what man lost in the garden. Here comes Jesus and he looks at devils and says, come out, devils, obey him. He looks at the dead and says, Lazarus, come forth. And death lets loose of Lazarus. Lazarus comes walking out. That's why the Bible says they were shocked and amazed because of the things that Jesus said because they never heard a man say things like Jesus. Because when Jesus says something to the wind and the waves, the wind and the waves responded and reacted to his word. Why? Because Jesus come to show us what man lost in the garden which was the crown of glory. Hallelujah. And so everywhere Jesus went, he was showing, this is what I'm getting ready to restore back to you when I die on the cross. And that's why Jesus said, whenever I'm done dying on the cross and shedding my blood and going back to heaven, he said this, he says, then you will be able not to, not to, to work with your hands or put effort into it. He says, then you'll say unto that mountain. You'll speak to it and that mountain will be removed. Why? Because Jesus came. God Almighty, I feel this. He came to restore what we lost. What was it? A crown of glory. And listen, the gospel is what what restores to you. When you put your faith in the gospel, it restores to you the authority and the power and the glory. So today, let me tell you, you don't have to work it up. You don't have to put no effort into it. What you just need to do is speak to it. Speak to your storm. Speak to your circumstances, and it has to obey you. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. How many, how many redeemed of the Lord do I have in here? Amen. Then why are you still working to try to make something happen? Right. Just speak it. Right. Speak it. Oh, this is good stuff. I don't know how far I'm going to get into this, but I'm going to keep going. This is what he says. Next verse. None of the rulers of this present world understood it. This could be human rulers and this could be spiritual rulers, spiritual evil rulers. For if they had, they never would have crucified the Lord of shining glory. St. Augustine, when he was interpreting and translating this last part, he said, is the Lord who dispenses glory. I love that. The Lord who dispenses glory. Next verse. This is why the scriptures say. Now, now that you have the context, maybe we'll understand this verse a little bit better. This is why the, the scriptures say, things never discovered, things never discovered, things never heard of, or heard of before, things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the many, everybody say many. Many, these are many things God has in store for all of his lovers. (laughs) What does he have in store for you if you love him? Things you've never discovered. Things you've never heard of. Things that are beyond your ability to even imagine. But if you love him. If you love him. Next verse. But God now unveils. There's that word unveil revelation these profound realities to us how does he do it 
by the Spirit that is it. The Spirit's not just so you can talk in tongues and feel goosebumps and roll around the floor. The Spirit is inside of you so that he might what? Unveil some profound realities. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit. How did, how did God give you the deep mysteries? Through his Holy Spirit who constantly, the Holy Spirit right now is exploring He's like, what do, they not, what, what do they not know? Okay, I'm going to explore that part. And then I'm going to take what I've discovered and what they don't know. And I'm going to bring it to their attention. And when you begin, how many ever, you read your Bible, you're like, I don't understand that. But while you're praying, where every, just all of a sudden, bam, this, this light goes on. Do you know what it was? Ooh. I gotta go. I gotta go somewhere else. I'm just one verse. One verse. I'm gonna bring this. This is good stuff. All right. Look. Watch this. Romans eight twenty six. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. These groanings that comes from the spirit that cannot be uttered, uttered is speaking in tongues or praying in the spirit. Now listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him. Why? How be it in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. When you're talking in, when you're praying in the spirit, you are speaking mysteries. And while you're speaking mysteries, what you're speaking out of your mouth, it won't be long that the Holy Spirit will reveal the mysteries to your mind, your heart, and your spirit. So how do you get understanding and revelation? You need to go in there and say, And while you're praying in the Holy Ghost, all of a sudden there will be this illumination and revelation of this Holy Ghost and you will begin to understand something in that moment that you did not previously understand. That's God, I don't believe in that, then stay dumb. That's why we got a bunch of casual baby Christians because you got a whole entire denomination saying what we're doing is of the devil. I'm telling you, there's deeper things, but you gotta, you gotta allow the spirit of God to have his way. And if you'll have his way, he will explore the very perfect will of God and begin to pray out of you like with mysteries. And while you're praying, revelation of mysteries that were hidden in ages past will be revealed to you. By the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, this is good stuff. Next verse. After all, who can really see into a person's heart and know his hidden impulses except for that person's spirit? Watch. So it is with God. So it is with God. His thoughts and secrets are only fully understood by his spirit. Paul makes it clear who this spirit is. It is the spirit of God. Next verse. For we did not receive the spirit of this world system, but we received the spirit of God. Why did you receive the spirit of God? So that you might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished 
upon you. Notice that you might understand, go, go back, that you might understand and experience all that grace. What's this gospel called? Let's say, let's, let's say it another way. So that you might understand and experience all that this gospel of grace has lavished upon you. Next verse. And we articulate these realities with words imparted to us by the Spirit. What words? Praying in the Spirit. <laughs> we articulate these realities with words imparted to us by the Spirit, not with the words taught by human wisdom. We join together Spirit-revealed truths with Spirit-revealed words. Ooh. Hallelujah. That's good stuff right there. So how do we come to understand this gospel of grace that was hidden and was a mystery before? The Spirit. All right, let's go. Let's go. Uh, can I keep going? I'm trying to rush through this. So the gospel, if we are to understand it, we must understand how to receive revelation. Because the gospel, listen to me, the gospel was a revelation that was hidden in mysteries. The gospel was a revelation that was hidden in the mysteries. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Watch this. Since we are now joined to Christ, we have been given the treasures of redemption by his blood, the total consolation of our sins. Well, why is that important, Paul? Because of the cascading riches of his grace. Ooh. I love that cascading riches of his grace. Next verse. Here's what I love. This super abundant grace is already. Everybody say already. This super abundant grace that you receive through believing and putting your faith in the gospel, it is already doing what? Powerfully working in you. Why is it? What's it doing? Releasing within us all forms of wisdom and practical understanding. This grace that you receive when you put your faith in Jesus, when you receive this gospel of grace, that grace that you receive also that is powerfully working in you right now, it is working on you and working in you so that it might release to you Every form of wisdom and practical understanding. Next verse. And through the revelation of the anointed one, Jesus Christ, he unveiled his secret desires to us. Watch this. The hidden mystery of his long-range plan, which he, has, which he was delighted to implement from the very beginning of time. Next verse. And because of God's unfailing purpose, how I many knows God's purposes don't fail? And because of God's unfailing purpose, his, this detailed plan will reign supreme through every period of time until the fulfillment of all the ages finally reaches its climax when God makes all things new in all of heaven and earth through Jesus Christ. Do you know why he makes all things new? For you. So they can be like it was in the beginning. Go to... Go to 1 Corinthians 15. So what is the heart of the gospel? What is the revelation of the mysteries? Paul gives it to us. The heart of the gospel is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse, verse 1. We'll start there. 
Dear friends, let me give you clearly the heart of the gospel. Let me say that again. Dear friends, let me give you clearly the heart of the gospel that I've preached to you. The good news that you have heartily received, watch what he says, and on which you stand. You can stand on nothing else but the gospel. Anything else is unstable ground. Next verse. For it is through the revelation of the gospel. Notice this. For it is through the revelation of the gospel that you are being saved. For it is through what? The revelation of the gospel that you are being saved. You could not be saved unless you got a revelation of the gospel. If, if, that word if there is conditional. If. You'll be saved if you fasten your life firmly to the message I've taught you. What message? The gospel of grace. Unless you have believed in vain. Did you believe in some other gospel? Was it about work, self-effort, deeds? Because that's not my gospel. He said, if you did believe that, you believed in vain. Next verse. For I've shared with you what I have received. Paul said, I didn't keep this secret. It was revealed to me so that I might reveal it to you. Paul says, for I have shared with you what I have received and what is of utmost importance. Here it is. Ready? The Messiah died for our sins. Number two, fulfilling the prophecies of the scriptures. Next verse. He was buried in a tomb, and then he was raised from the dead after three days, as, for, as foretold in the scriptures. Next verse. Then he appeared to Peter, the rock, and to the 12 apostles. He also appeared to more than 500 of his followers at the same time, most of whom are still alive as I write this, though a few have passed away. Then he appeared to Jacob. Jacob is the same as James, the half-brother of Jesus, who wrote the epistle James matter of fact in all manuscripts his name was not James his name was Jacob I thought that was interesting some of the early church fathers changed it to James but his real name was Jacob next verse last of all he appeared in front of me (laughs) I love that I don't know why I love that so much he showed up right in front of me he said Paul what do you think you're doing you can't continue any more. Why? Because now I'm showing up right in front of you. And watch what he said. He said, he not only appeared in front of me, but like one born prematurely, he ripped me from the, room, from the womb. <laughs> I love that. Paul said, when it was time for Jesus to use me, it was, all, it was like he ripped me right out of the womb that set me in my destiny. Next verse. Yes, I am the most insignificant of all the apostles. Unworthy even to be called an apostle because I hunted down believers and persecuted God's church. Watch what he says. But God's amazing grace has made me who I am. And his grace to me was not fruitless. In fact, I worked harder than all the rest, yet not in my own strength, but God's. For his empowering grace. Man, I wish I, I, I'm going to do just a teaching just straight with, about grace. His empowering grace is poured out unto me. Next verse. So this is what we all have taught you. And whether it was through me or someone else, you have now believed the gospel. The gospel. The gospel. So Paul says, 
this is the heart of the gospel. Even though there's a lot of other parts of the gospel, he said, this is the heart of the gospel. What is the heart of the gospel? Jesus died because he had to fulfill scripture. He was buried. He arose the third day according to scripture. And he, and he revealed himself after his resurrection to witnesses. Meaning Jesus didn't get up out of the grave and go to, the, go to heaven. He made sure he walked around and let everybody see him. That's what, what, what he did. And he was seen by over 500 people. You thought I was dead? Nope, I'm still alive. And I have the keys of death, hell, and the grave, and I have all authority, and all power and authority has been given unto me. I'm alive forevermore. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's how some people, you know, they thought that, you were never going to make it, but you know how them, those people are. They, you show up and you're all changed and, and your, life's, your life's good and you got the promises of the Lord and you're prospering. And they're like, man, last time I seen, seen you, you were high, doped up, barely making it. And that's when you go. <laughs> um, it was the grace. I, I am what I am by his amazing grace. Hallelujah. All right, let me keep going. All right, man, this is good stuff. Oh, do I got time? Oh, what do I do? What do I do? All right. All right, so listen to this. So we have, Paul gave us the heart of the gospel, even though there's a lot of things, and we'll get into the, 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 other, the other parts, the other tenets of the gospel. But here's what we got to understand. We are not, it is illegal for us to preach any other gospel. Matter of fact, we are to teach and preach the same gospel from the same revelation that Paul got. That's why Paul said, we didn't keep it to ourselves. We taught it to you. You know this because we shared it with you. Okay? So go to Second um, Timothy, chapter 2, verse 1. Listen to what he says. He said, Timothy, my dear son, live your life empowered by God's free-flowing grace. Do you know how you guys need to, how you need to live your life? By his free-flowing grace which is your true strength found in the anointing of Jesus and your union with him. God, I wish I had another hour. There's so much in that. Okay, go to the next one. I don't though. I actually got 10 minutes. Let's see what I can do. And all that you've learned from me confirmed by the integrity of my life. Watch what he says. He says, what you have learned from me, what did they learn from him? The gospel of grace, right? He said, deposit into faithful Leaders who are competent to teach the congregation. Watch. The what? The same revelation. What revelation? Of the gospel of grace. Not a different gospel, not a different revelation, but the same revelation that Paul got. We're not preaching something new or fresh. We don't need to. The same revelation, the same gospel is good for today as it was then. Amen? Listen to this. Paul's gospel is, is so important. Everything that Paul wrote, everything that Paul penned was so inspired by the Holy Ghost that one day Jesus is going to use it to judge us with. The same gospel, same revelation is going to be our judge. Listen to what he says. Go, go to... Uh, Go to Romans chapter 2, verse 16. So this judgment will be revealed on 
on the day when God, through Jesus the Messiah, judges the hidden secrets of people's hearts. Ooh, it's going to be a sobering moment, ain't it? People thought they were good, but all of a sudden, they ain't going to be so good. Watch what Paul says. And their response to the gospel I preach will be the standard of judgment used in that day. Paul says, if you don't, if you don't respond to my gospel, you don't believe in the gospel that, I, that was revealed to me, he said, you will be judged for it on that day. How many of that's sobering? Listen to what Paul says in 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Actually, Paul don't say this. Peter actually talks about Paul in this. Peter says, and keep in mind that our Lord's extraordinary patience simply means that means more opportunity for salvation. Peter's talking about why Jesus hasn't come yet. For many say, why hasn't he appeared? The reason why he's given opportunity for more people to be saved. If you're wondering where Jesus is, he's just allowing more opportunity for people to get saved. He says, just as our dear brother Paul wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. Next verse. He consistently speaks of these things in all of his letters. <laughs> Listen to what Peter says. Even though he writes some concepts that are overwhelming to our understanding. Watch what he says, though. Which the unlearned and unstable love to twist to their spiritual ruin. As they, do, as they do other scriptures. How do you think they're twisting it? Go back to Galatians chapter 1. How were they twisting it? They were mixing law and grace. And if you mix law and grace, what are you doing? You are ruin, ruining your own spiritual life. And you will be judged by the gospel that you twist. This is how powerful this revelation is. This is how potent this gospel is. This is serious stuff that I'm talking about. This is heaven or hell. This is life or death. Believing and putting your trust in the gospel of grace and in that alone, nothing else. Um, all right, I'm going to go to, uh, not, don't go to the next one. I don't have time for that. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Oh, this is good right here. Here's how powerful your gospel is that you have. Peter says, God revealed to the prophets that their ministry was not for their own benefit, but for yours. Meaning everything that the prophets said was for your benefit, not theirs. You're living in the day that the prophets seen and spoke of. You're living in that day. Because that's powerful. He says, God revealed to the prophets that their ministry was not for their own benefit, but for yours. And now you have heard these things. What things? The gospel, the things that, that are included in the gospel. He says, you have heard these things. How did you hear them? From the evangelists. wonder what the evangelist preaches. Good news, glad tidings, the gospel. Who preached the gospel? Evangelists who preached the gospel, gospel, gospel. To you through the power. Listen to how they preached it. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Woo, come on. When you preach this gospel of grace through the power of the Holy Spirit, you don't just get saved. That, that, that Holy Spirit will break every yoke and destroy every fetter and chain of the enemy, heal your body of any type of sickness and disease. That's how powerful the, the, the Holy Ghost is not in word. He comes in power and demonstration. Watch this. It is so powerful. This gospel is so powerful. This gospel containing wonderful mysteries. Notice that. 
the gospel that is containing what? Wonderful ministries. How, do you, how, how will you ever understand all these things, mysteries in the gospel? The spirit. Watch what he says. I love this. That even the angels long to get a glimpse of. Let me say it like this. You are participating in something that the angels don't understand. The angels don't understand what it is to be saved by grace. But they look into it. They observe it and say, man, what is this grace thing? What is this salvation? What is this redemption? What is this that's going on? They can't understand it. They can't, they can't, they can't understand it. It catches their attention and, and, and we are their classroom and we are their professor. And we are teaching heaven things that heaven doesn't know. What is it? The gospel of grace. That's why every day you ought to get up and say, let me live this gospel of grace before the angels of, and the heavenly host and show what it looks like to walk this thing out. So what you have, it's precious. What you put your faith in when you got saved is so precious that the angels desire to look into it. It captures their attention. What is, it, it, this shocked me, Sister Dee Dee. Out of all things they can look at in heaven, They want to look into our salvation and our, and our grace. <laughs> Here's what God told me, because God gave us the best thing. You, through the gospel of grace, you and I are possessing the best thing that you could ever possess. You are possessing something that the angels don't even get to handle or touch. You want me to prove it to you? I'm going to prove it to you. Isaiah Isaiah chapter 6. Do you remember when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up? No. And his train filled the temple? Remember that? And the Bible says that when Isaiah has this encounter, he falls down on his face and he cries and says, Lord, don't come near me. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a man undone. And the Bible says, and there came a seraphim out of the presence of, of the Lord. Remember? You remember that? When you read it, you can't. How many of you just don't read the scripture? You've got to read the scripture. He says that the angel comes to the altar. Guess what the altar is? Is a representation of, is, it also speaks, and it is a symbol of Jesus' death. It's where sin was punished on the altar. There was a fire burning on that altar. Watch. It represented the death of Jesus, the gospel. I might get excited and spill that, that water. An angel comes to that altar that is a symbol and a representation of the gospel of Jesus. The Bible says they, the angel has to take a tongue. What, everybody knows what a tongue is? Like when you're frying something, you don't put your bare hands in there and grab that thing. That thing's too hot. It hurts. The angels could not touch the fiery coal that was on the altar. He had to take a tongue. Why? Because he couldn't touch it. Why? Because it was meant for Isaiah. <laughs> and Isaiah, oh my God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Isaiah 
was touched by the fiery coal upon the altar on his lips. Here's what I want to say. The altar was a symbol of Jesus' death. Jesus on that cross judged sin in the flesh and the judgment of God was poured out upon Jesus. That's why you see him in Revelation chapter one with brazen feet cause brass that burned in a fire. His feet was burned in a fire. It means the judgment of God. He walked in the judgment of God because of our sins. And the angel could not touch it because it was meant for you and I. And so where did the angel apply the hot coal to Isaiah? To his lips. Why? So that we might be restored back to the glory and so that whatever is hindering our authority and our glory would be removed by the hot coals of the judgment of Jesus on the cross, the gospel, so that wherever we proclaim it, men are transformed. So I just come to tell you, you got some, you got a fire that the, that, the, that the angels can't even touch. And let me, let me mind, remind you something. The very name seraphim means burning one. The very name seraphim means burning one, meaning that they were always in the burning presence of Jesus. But when they come out, they could not touch that hot coal. Did you see that in your Bible? Watch it. Some of you are going to go home and say, is that preacher telling me something? Tongs. Did you see it? Tongs. It's too powerful for angels. That's why the Bible says they are ministers, flaming ministers, sent, sent to minister to those that are heirs of salvation. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. flaming ministers. These flaming ministers can't touch the fire of the Holy Ghost that has been placed on our lips. That's why when you speak in tongues, not even angels of heaven know what you're talking about. Hallelujah. Preach, pastor. Okay, I'm done.